The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. And on the line now is former Western Victoria MP Simon Ramsey. Good morning. Good morning, Mitchell, and good morning to your listeners. Well, first of all, uh, Richard Miles and the Labor Party have got this three-pronged attack going against Stephanie Asher on social media on the three issues I talked about before uh, the 10 o'clock news, uh, comments on the NDIS uh, coming to Geelong eight years ago, uh, parking fine for a quadriplegic person, and uh, the other one was the council laying off jobs during the uh, pandemic. So I suppose this is a challenge, isn't it, when uh, local councils run for federal politics, um, I've often and said that council is probably the most hated arm of government and local government because they interfere perhaps the most with your life and people are going to be scrutinised on what they've done, whether it was right or wrong, in local government. Yeah, I, I saw the um, the sort of ads, but I thought it was a little bit childish, uh, Mitchell. Um, I mean, obviously, it seems the Labor campaign for both Corolla and Krangamite will come out of Richard Marle's office and no doubt he's got some... Um, some sort of uh, social media nerds in there um, sort of dictating some of the early um, campaign responses. But I thought to dredge up some commentary um, from Stephanie in a totally different environment uh, eight years ago and also some, um, uh, some sort of decisions made by council uh, sort of recently uh, as sort of attack ads against... Uh, the new endorsed candidate uh, for Krangamite from the Liberal Party was just a bit immature and childish. I found it funny that they couldn't find a photo where she wasn't smiling. Obviously, there haven't been enough of those in circulation yet, but usually in those attack ads, they've got a photo of the person grimacing or looking angry towards the camera. Yeah, uh, look, honestly, I I did hear a bit of Tom Rowe's interview, which was quite a lengthy one, I must say, Mitchell. Yes. Um, uh, he went into quite a bit of detail. In fact, I might have to give some media advice to Tom about um, shortening up some of his key campaign messages when he gets to the campaign proper. But um, he also mentioned the fact he thought it was a bit beneath Richard Miles to um, be putting out these sort of attack ads in the style that has happened. And I, I tend to agree. I think Richard Miles um, has been around long enough and is smart enough not to demean himself to that extent uh, in respect to those ads uh, attacking Stephanie Asher coming out of his office. Will it work, though? Will it resonate with the voters out there that say, oh, um, the mayor find a quadriplegic person when they were trying to park outside their house, therefore I'm not going to vote for her on federal lines? Well, again, I thought that was, um, you know, a bit of an outreach, really. It was, in fact, the, the substance of it is probably right in that it was a stupid decision by council not to allow... Now, as I understand it, that parking space was actually adjacent to the home of the um, disabled person. So it would make sense that they are able to get some sort of permit to use that parking spot. And obviously, I think there's been some discussion with council about relaxing um, some of the attitude of the car park inspectors in respect to issuing fines and moving people on in respect to public... Uh, car spaces um, that obviously have a need to those um, that are uh, living close by. But uh, again, I just think it's all pretty petty, don't you? I mean, really, um, it'd be interesting to know, and I I hear what you've said in the interview with Tom Rowe, that Stephanie Asher um, 
has um, requested that she make no public statement as a Liberal candidate for Karingamai until September. Now it would appear, obviously, uh, a lot of her uh, campaign and, and media commentary will come out of Senator Sarah Henson's office. Um, but um, more of an issue for me, of course, is how and when is Stephanie going to separate her current role as Mayor of the City of Greater Geelong uh, as against her uh, now endorsed Liberal candidate for Karangamite uh, responsibility and commentaries. I think that distinction needs to be made very clear very soon. Well, uh, she said to me, and I think it's public knowledge, that she won't be coming back on this program as the Mayor of the City of Greater Geelong. She'll delegate that spot because the Mayor comes on every two weeks. Um, so she'll delegate that to a Deputy Mayor or uh, another councillor, which I think is fine. So when she does come on, it'll be very clear um, that she'll be speaking from the perspective of the Federal Liberal candidate for Corangabite. But yeah, you probably do need to look at standing down from Mayor. I think um, I mean, ideally, he'd probably stand down from the council as well, but at the same time, if it's good enough for Libby Coker to be on council and run twice, then probably good enough for Steph. But, I mean, if you want the best outcome for people of the Ballerine that want to be represented in council, you'd probably say stand down. Well, Libby Coker wasn't mayor when she was no. going through that campaign. She's a councillor, and I don't have an issue with Stephanie uh, continuing her role as councillor. But I think when you're the spokesperson for 256,000 people um, as the mayor um, when you're speaking and then also be the uh, the Liberal candidate for Karangamite and being politically motivated and speaking, I think uh, people would expect uh, there to be a, a sort of a distinction between those two roles and you can't do both now, moving- uh, in my mind. Yeah, no, fair enough. Now, moving on to the COVID situation, I don't know about you, but I've personally found this lockdown to be perhaps more difficult than the other ones we've experienced this year. Uh, the Valentine's Day lockdown and the one that we had back in whenever it was, May, June, um, I've found those easier than this one, perhaps because we've had these very harsh restrictions in regional Victoria for well over a week now, and usually we come out of the restrictions a little bit earlier than metropolitan Melbourne. But I'm just wondering how you're finding it being in the property maintenance business. Have you been able to work? Well, I have. Um, I guess I'm lucky that uh, garden maintenance is one of the approved works um, Jobs, um, and I've sort of, as much as I can, gone about my normal working business. But I, I can understand the frustration uh, I've been because of the weather. Basically, been in lockdown for the last four days, and um, you know you start to go home crazy. Uh, in that you, you want to get out and you want to socialise and you want to sort of smell the fresh air and exercise and uh, do the normal things unrestricted. So. Um, I, I can't imagine uh, some of the, um, uh, you know, the difficulties small business particularly are going through in respect to having their business shut down and, of course, their cash flow shut down and then the dependency on uh, federal or state government support uh, and also having to face, obviously, the everyday issues around schooling, homeschooling. I, I have daughters that have very young children at home. They're not able to access some... Um, uh, you know, schools uh, from primary on uh, and, of course, the responsibility is to them to make sure they have some continuity of schooling at home and that's terribly difficult uh, with all the distractions of home life. So, um, look, it is really, really tough but still I don't think that's any excuse, Mitchell, from the protest rallies I saw uh, both in Melbourne and Sydney over the weekend and I've been to many protest rallies and I know 
many of the um, the crowd that attend these rallies have actually been um, very well supervised by a whole lot of different interest groups. And I think you've commented this morning there's been anti-vax people there and there's been some anti-lockdown people there and I'm sure there's a whole tribe of different sexual interests that just want to uh, create some type of anarchy to get their messages through. Well, there's, that's absolutely right. I mean, I take the view that, no, they shouldn't be out protesting. I mean, it has the potential to become a super spreader event and then we'd be in a very dire situation and the freedom that they're calling for would be lost even more. But um, I suppose you really do have to look at what happened with the Black Lives Matter protests last year. I mean, if it's good enough for them, um, why isn't it good enough for the um, the people that have come out over the weekend? Now, I condemn both and say that we shouldn't have protests at all, but I think some people out there have been changing their position just depending on what the cause is. Well, I I agree with you in that I think uh, Daniel Andrews is terribly hypocritical on allowing the Black Lives Matter protests to go ahead, yet uh, is condemning uh, the current protests uh, now because the transmission of the virus is the same, you know, if you've got a group of 10,000 people or 5,000 people in a confined space, um, that, you know, the risk is too high to... Uh, allow that sort of uh, democratic freedom, I guess, in protesting. And also the attack on the police. I was just disgusted. Yes, punching the horses. Yeah, punching horses and throwing black ink at police um, men and women. I just thought, you know, to try and instill the respect and order of law enforcement into our children and what's right and wrong, and they see that on TV, and I just think, you know, we're going back 10 paces at an awful quick rate. Uh, in my mind, I'm, I'm in agreement with the police. I think, you know, they should be um, captured if they can on film or um, fined heavily for their actions. The messages need to be more um, stern, I guess, in respect to uh, the lack of irresponsible behaviour by these people in putting others at risk. It seems to be fine for them to say, well, it's my democratic right and freedom to be able to protest and I don't want lockdowns. I'm going out there to use my lawful right to uh, express those views. But the fact is, it wasn't a lawful right. They are actually endangering other people. They're putting other people at risk. And also, they offer no alternative. And um, I'm a bit annoyed about even our own local uh, state parties in that they condemn lockdown, they condemn border closures, yet really offering no sort of option A, B or C uh, instead. And to my mind, there has been reasonable success in this latest lockdown because the figures are quite encouraging. I think there was 11 cases, uh, new cases overnight, but they're all confined to those still in quarantine, which I think is a fantastic effort given what we've seen in Sydney. Now, now talking about that state response, Michael O'Brien's been criticised for flip-flopping, they say, on border closures and whether or not he supports it. I mean, I take the view, shut the borders straight away just because we can't, as Victorians, who've already had over 100 days more in lockdown than any other state, we can't have any more time in lockdown. So if there's even the slightest risk of us going into lockdown, shut the borders, and it's probably... Um, a futile effort to say keep them open for the economy because if you keep it open for the economy you're buying maybe one or two more weeks and then we're shut down anyway well that is true and i I think you know even some of our local state mps particularly in opposition are somewhat frustrated by the positions of the leadership in uh you know sort of as you said flip-flopping i mean there's even talk of 
uh, when uh, Parliament resumes, State Parliament, in first week in August, that we look like having another leadership challenge. I mean, uh, it's bizarre. You know, we as party members are being asked to send out a whole lot of DLs to party uh, to constituents uh, um, talking about the opposition leader's um, current policies and in the same breath, of course, we're now talking about another leadership challenge. So um, I just really think the opposition needs to have a good hard look at itself about where it wants to be and how it wants to be leading up to the next state campaign, which, you know, we're going to be overshadowed by the federal campaign from about May, presumably, or mm. probably from early next year till May. And then, of course, we've only got till uh, November to get our act together for the state campaign. Now, I'm just wondering if you've been following this debate around the Pfizer vaccine going to New South Wales and them saying we want more Pfizer vaccine in New South Wales because of the situation we're in. And I absolutely empathise with what they're going through because I wouldn't wish what we went through last year on anyone. But at the same time, I feel like sending all the Pfizer vaccines to New South Wales is a problem because it's a sort of reactionary thing. And it does take about six weeks for that vaccine to take effect and for you to go through both courses of the vaccine. By then, the outbreak may have moved moved on to somewhere else. So I take the view we should continue on with the rollout as scheduled and per capita, but uh, that's not what some people are saying. Well, I think that was the Prime Minister's position as well. I mean, he wants uh, the trans or the rollout to continue as was agreed by the sort of National Cabinet. But I can understand if there's spare doses of Pfizer um, available from the states that, in fact, they could make a contribution to New South Wales, but I get a feeling, Mitchell, New South Wales seem to be all over the shop uh, in how they're responding to this latest um, transmission uh, of the virus through this pandemic. I just don't get a feel they've got a, a grasp of the situation or even some control of it. Um, and also the messaging about the use of AstraZeneca or Pfizer in the different age demographics is terribly confusing for nearly everyone. I mean, we're told one thing one day and one... The next, and then of course the Prime Minister blames Atagi, the you know who's providing advice and recommendations to the to the uh, to the Prime Minister and to the government in in a sort of medical technical sense. But uh, again, it seems the Prime Minister wants to um, uh, put some pressure on Atagi to change that advice so we have a quick rollout of the vaccination. So I feel sorry for people trying to make up their mind whether they should have Pfizer, whether they should have Astra, should they have one of each, or in fact, should they just quickly get vaccinated with whatever vaccines available at the time? Mm. And that seems to be the preference by most epidemiologists. And last of all, the Olympics, have you been watching it? Do you care? I haven't been able to really bring myself to watch it because I just have the feeling that it shouldn't be going ahead at all, given the risk of it spreading COVID amongst the athletes that are there. And I know there's already been cases in the athletes' village, but have you felt inclined to watch it? And did you see the opening ceremony? I did, but I must say, I, I fell asleep through half it. I just found the start of the whole thing really slow and somewhat boring. Um, not having a crowd there doesn't help. There's no atmosphere, but just having 242 nations marching into that uh, large um, stadium um, and sort of the very slow uh, sort of progression of acts that sort of followed. I missed Keith Urban and all the other things that went on at about midnight, I think it was, but... No, look, I, I love the Olympics. I think the diversion is fantastic. I think to have something else to get some enjoyment from, I've really enjoyed the swimming and obviously going to be glued to the TV at 12.20, I think, when the um, the women's uh, finals are on. I think there's some great stories coming out already, like Brendan Smith 
Um, um, and I just heard a little bit of background about him and his swimming career to gra- grab a bronze, I think. Jamie Fox, I saw on the kayaking. I've not seen kayaking before. thought it was really interesting and I could go on. So I am really excited. We've actually got something good, uh, fun and enjoyable to distract ourselves from uh, what is a sort of a horrible, horrible period of our history through this pandemic. It certainly is. Look, thanks for being on the program. Always good to catch up and we'll talk to you again in two weeks' time, hopefully maybe in the studio. Thanks very much, Mitchell. Yes, I hope so too. Good on you, Simon Ramsey, with us there, former MP for Western Victoria. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or wherever you get your podcasts.